this song talks about how we're going to lift up the name of Jesus in this place. And that's what we want to do this morning. Come on, just put your hands together like this. Come on, put your hands together. There you go, come on. Come on, all over this room, come on, put those hands together this morning. Come on.
with one voice we come, we come together Our one desire is to praise you and lift you up With eyes on high, say, with eyes on high We praise you and with one voice We come together, our one desire is to praise you and lift you up One more time, say, our surrender with eyes on high We praise you, we praise you and with one voice together our one desire is to praise you lift you up we are living to make your name high jesus living to make your name high jesus you it was the world couldn't offer us say what they want we are free say we are
breathe on me, Jesus. Breathe upon my heart, God. Oh, you welcome you, Jesus. All I need is you, Lord. Is you, Lord. All I need is you. That's the truth this morning, God. All we need is you.
where you're at right now, just saying, Jesus, come. All I want is you, Jesus. I want to touch you, God. I want to bless you with my worship. I want to bless you with my song, Jesus. I want to bless you with my heart, God. I want you, Jesus. We want you, Lord. We want you in this place, Holy Spirit. We welcome you. Praise up this morning, this 
worship him. Tell him. There's none like you. There's none like you. There's none like you. Oh, Lord, we fix our eyes on who you are. Because there's none like you. There's none like you. There's none like you. Jesus. There's a lot of us that are just watching what God is doing. And I'm telling you what's going to keep you from entering to this river, what's going to keep you from experiencing what we're experiencing here on this stage, what I'm experiencing, what your neighbors are experiencing, is when you focus on yourself. When we say these words, there is none like you, we're thinking about who he is, that there is none like him, that there's no one like him. Come on, let's take our eyes off of ourselves right now. Take the eyes off of, of the band right now. And it's just you and Jesus right now. You and the Lord. We fix our eyes on you, Jesus. And we praise you for who you are, God. Jesus, there's none like you. There's none like you. There's none like you. There's none like you. this I just ask you to close your eyes and just think about him if you're used to this just keep telling them you love him right now come on we're going to give some of you a time to catch up you're new to this come on just close your eyes and just say God I love you and I want to tell you how awesome you are those of you who already know how to worship in spirit and truth just go for it come on we love you Jesus we're going to sing this chorus. You're all that I want. You're all that I need. And as we do that, we're going to give everybody a chance just to go to another level of praise and worship. As Rachel was saying, take your eyes off yourself, off your problems, what you think somebody thinks about you, and do what you came here for. This is a church that believes in a living God. We've come to worship Him. Come on, you walked into a building 
where the name of the building is called Metro Praise. What do you think we're going to do today? We're going to praise Jesus. We're going to praise the Lord because He's worthy. He is awesome. You are glorious. You are glorious. Glory to you in the highest place. We join with the angels of heaven. Worthy, worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. Holy are you. You are awesome, God. You're all I need. You're all that I want. Come on, just sing it out, all I need. Humble yourself and admit it. All you need is God. You don't need more money. You don't need another job. You need Jesus. Come on. All I need is you, Lord. Come on, one more time. One more time. All I need. All I need. Hallelujah, come on. Mean it today. Amen. Just as the music plays right now, would you just make that your prayer before we move on with this service? All I need is you, Jesus. Come on, heart to heart with you. You don't need to shout it all the time. Just tell them, all I need is you, God. Come on, let that sink into your spirit right now. You have so many needs. I have needs. But all I need is Jesus. Some of you say, man, I I need this. I need that. I need a healing. I need a new job. I need peace. Let me tell you, Those things without Jesus are not the answer to your life. More money is not the answer. A different job is not the answer. Remember, you had a job five years ago. What were you then? You were somewhere a year ago without these problems you have now. What were you then? My friends, problems remind us of temporary needs, but greater than that, the eternal need of God. We're going to sing just one more song today as a congregation, How I Love Your Presence. And there's a part of that song that says, I'm letting go of my mind and my heart, and I just want to feel you. And I'm just going to ask that as we prepare to sing this last song, that you would just make that your heart. I'm telling you something. I can be a thinker too. I can overthink things, analyze things. And sometimes in my hardest times, I try to think my way out. I analyze my way out relationship struggles, try to figure it out. But I want to tell you the greatest thing you and I can do in our troubles is just acknowledge God. 
Sometimes your your cantaloupe-sized mind, your 50,000 thoughts a day, won't figure out the problems of your life. And that's why God said, I will never leave you. He said, I will never forsake you. And he said, lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge me. And he said, I will direct your paths. As we sing this song, would you just concentrate on Jesus? If you want to join us up at the altar, you can. Or kneel where you are, but just open your heart to God today. How I love your presence.
of all, just the voices and the guitar from the beginning. And as we sing it from the beginning, I want you to let go of everything as you proclaim your need for God. Adam, just the guitar and the voices. How I love. I love, I love. Come on, from your heart today, saints. I love your presence. Yes, God. I love, I love. We love you so much, God. Come on, sing it again. How I love. Psalm says that in the presence of the Lord is the fullness of joy. At his right hand, pleasures forevermore. Love, I love. Come on, sing if you want it. If you want it. Come on, God's calling out to you. He says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. Because this love he's given. Because this love he's given you was never Come on, one more time, one more time. One more time, sing it, then the band's going to come in. If you want it. Yes, come and get it. Mercy and grace come. If you believe that, give the Lord a shout of praise in a hand clap of victory. Hallelujah! We thank you, Lord. We thank you, God, for your power in your presence. In the presence of the Lord is the fullness of joy. Hallelujah. Give the Lord one more hand clap of praise. Come on, let's bless him. Hallelujah. Would you hold somebody's hand today? Let's pray for one another. Just all across this place, just hold somebody's hand. Thank you. Let's just pray. And if all you know how to pray is God bless them, just say God bless my neighbor. Oh, we pray for each one of you today. Adam, would you pray for this congregation that God would bless them? Hallelujah. Right now, Father, we come before you. Yes. Expectancy. Father God, Lord, we know that when we come in the presence of God, there is so much more. And in these times of worship, God, we yes. just thank you because 
you never fail to meet with us. You never fail to pour out your spirit. Just more. like you promised. More, you never get old to us. You're never yes, boring. Yes. And God, we bless this time, Father God. Lord, Do we pray it, God. for every person here, Father, that they will go deeper, Father God. Hallelujah. Deeper, Father God, in expectancy, coming to church, yes. knowing that you meet with us. We meet with the living God. And Father, I pray, Lord, how chains Hallelujah. will be broken, hearts will be opened, Father God. Ears will listen and hear your word, Father. Father, we thank you, God, for all that you do. We bless this time. Jesus name. Amen. Can you give the Lord another hand clap of praise in the house of God? Slap your neighbor high five and say, I love Jesus. Amen. Tell somebody as you're making your way back to your seat. Come on. I love Jesus too. Oh, amen. Amen. So good to see you filling the house of God in the summer. You know, I know some churches that cut services in the summer. They stop doing life groups, but not here. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm so glad you're here. Amen. We welcome all of our visitors here, some of my friends from Facebook. Can I give it up for David from Facebook right here? Come on. Good to see you, dude. He's not embarrassed. That's why I did that. I wouldn't do that to everybody else, but good seeing you here. This is our Sunday morning service at 9 and 11. We're so excited about God. We have Wednesday young adult services for children and families, and the next two weeks are going to be prayer meetings, so come out on Wednesdays. And then Elevate. Amen. Elevate for teenagers every Friday night. They're keeping it right. They're getting down, and you know it's tight. Hallelujah, baby. And so every Friday night at 7.30, they're getting down and dirty. Don't come late. Amen. So, Adam, tell us what's going on at the youth group. Amen. I don't know if I can beat that there just coming up. I could. I could. I can't. Pra- Praise God. This Friday we're going to be uh, in Devil's Lake. But what's been happening uh, the weeks past is just God is touching hearts. He never fails to me. And it's summertime, guys. We're having a lot of fun in the life groups. We're having a blast. The same power uh, we're meeting with Jesus Christ is happening here. And people are getting saved and touched. So keep on praying for the youth and just keep on sending them over. Amen. Come on. Give it up for Pastor Adam working hard with our teenagers. The mijos and mijas. We have a vision. It's never changed in six years. What is the vision? One, two, three. Amen. See, you all, God, I should take turns and have you guys do announcements. But we want to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love our neighbor as ourselves. That's the most important thing to us. So it doesn't matter. Whenever you come to this church, whatever service you're a part of, you know what we're here to do. We're going to love God and we're going to love you. So everybody go, I love you, Jesus. Come on, just like you made a touchdown or a soccer, like, go! Do one more time. I love you, Jesus. And then look at your neighbor and go, I love you too. Amen. That's okay. We love it. Holy kiss in Jesus' name. But keep it holy or you go to hell. Amen. You don't want to go to hell. No bueno. It's not good. Hell's not good. We have a strategy. Everybody go, strategy. Amen. We want to take over the world for Jesus. He said, make disciples of all nations. So the first part of our strategy is connect. Can you all say connect? Amen. We want to connect you to the cross, plug you in and turn you on. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, Metro Praise wants to turn you on. Amen. We want to turn you on and let God take control. Amen. And so when you get turned on for Jesus, we want you to join one of our life groups. Does anybody like life groups? Come on.
Come on. Life groups are home Bible studies where you get together with mentors and you do great things for the Lord. You do Bible studies, prayer time, go out and barbecue, bowling, whatever you all plan together. And there you find a mentor and they begin to take you through this seven-step book to spiritual growth. So somebody say growth. Amen. So as we connect you to the cross, we want you to go through this book. And then when you get mentored, everybody say mentored. We want to take you through a process of raising you up. Do you know that Jesus was with his disciples for three years? And then he sent them out. This program is on Sunday mornings at 7.30. After you've passed the connect stage, it's a year long. And it will make you one bad mama jamma. You will be a roof breaker, a history maker for Jesus Christ. Do I have any 201 students in his house? Come on, see, these are the radical ones. You know what I'm saying? You get nightmares, you come to them. Demons run away from them. They are on fire. And then everybody go like this. Send. Amen. We want to send you out to change the world. That's how we do it. Connect you to the cross. Life groups. Bam. 101 with the mentor. Then you get raised up in the 201 class. Learning to live like a Christian, man. Be real disciples. Then we send you out to change the world. That's why we go to Boricua Fest. That's why we're at the Taste of Chicago. That's why we adopt the West Side Block there every Saturdays with the Ninos and Ninos for Jesus. All that you see us doing is because we have a strategy. And we believe if we keep doing this, we can reach 100,000 thousand disciples in this city with 50 churches in 500 around the world if you believe it will you stand up in a state of pandemonium and say amen amen come on slap your neighbor high five and say it's better than an infomercial you may be seated boy you're going to get excited We are making this thing happen by the power of Jesus. I'm going to show you a great announcement. That was my secret on Facebook in just a moment. But before we do, I want you all to get real excited. Or you put it at the end for me. That's okay. We're going to do it the way we got it planned for the first service. You hit the lights for me and everybody watch this video. And I guarantee you're going to change your pampers after this. You're going to pee your pants. Okay, I'm going to do it right here, brother. I got it. Drop it like it's hot.
Come on, let's give it up. Surprise! Surprise, surprise, surprise. Here it is. Band, you may be seated. Let's give it up for the band rocking it out for Jesus like rock stars. Rock on, baby. Come on. This is the surprise. We started this church six years ago, and we always wanted to blow the mamma jamma up and be on fire for Jesus. And when we first started, we didn't have a lot of resources, so we had to meet in our house. And then we met into this uh, old Irving Methodist building and had no air conditioning. We had to have fans that were the size of, like, jet turbine engines. Have anybody ever seen those warehouse fans? And, like, you're in church, and it's like... You know, okay. And then when we got kicked out because we were not with homosexuals being in the ministry and being lesbian and all that crazy stuff, we love them, but that was a little weirdy when they were making the lesbian the pastor. They kicked us out. We had to find a building, and so we shared one on diversity and long, and that's where some of you met us at. And then there last summer at this time, a year ago from right now, we said, guys, let's go big for Jesus. Let's get something that's just, man, awesome. So we found this place. And we negotiated and we got a great deal at it. And at our grand, we were about 100 at that time. And at our grand opening, we had 300 people. Can y'all say amen? Come on, blowing it up. And then at that moment, I said, man, we've got momentum. You know, I just feel like we just got to keep that wheel turning like a little gerbil. Amen. Look at your neighbor. Say, we go in places. So it's like, man, we got that moment where we're going. And so then I was like, man, what are we going to do? God, give me an idea. And we thought of Easter. We got to blow up Easter. So for Easter, we raised over $15,000. We put a big sign here. We put it up in the red eye. We put the razzle and dazzle right here. Look at your neighbor and say razzle and dazzle. Hey, man, we put the razzle-dazzle here. And then you know how much we had for Easter? 500 people. Say amen, somebody. Come on. And that's when we went to two services. Come on. And now we're rocking out two services. God is blessing. And while we were during the Easter time, we were like, man, what are we going to do in six months? Listen, before we even had the Easter service, my plan was to rent out Prosser and blow that mamma jamma up so that we could have two super duper services. Amen. But when I went in there, man, it was all pasty white and yellow and the chairs were hard and it was nasty and they wanted $2,000 a week. And then like, dude, they had no air conditioning. And then I just had this like flashback of these like great big turbine fans. Okay. Look at your neighbor and say, thank you, Jesus for air conditioning. See, I wasn't even thinking about y'all yet. I wasn't thinking about Ish with little beads of sweat on his upper lip and all that. I was just thinking about me preaching in a place without air conditioning. It wasn't happening. So I said, God, what are we going to do? But during that time, someone came to me and said, Pastor, whatever you want to do, I'm behind you. I'm going to fund it. I'm going to get it to happen. So we began to pray. And when we started this church way back six years ago, here's the fulfillment. We went out to Belmont and Clark every Saturday witnessing. And you can see that place still needs Jesus because there was like a fight, a stabbing out there. But after about three years, the Lord said, just move down a little bit to Wicker Park, you know, north and Damon, and keep ministering there. And we've been ministering there, so we said, well, you know what, let's look at starting a new campus and start it there in Wicker Park. And so we did some, like, uh, you know, geographic studies, which, what, what you get to learn about the people of the neighborhood and everything. And we found out that there are 20-somethings living there, 95,000 of them, most of them white collar. Most of them have a bachelor's degree or higher, but none of them are going to church. Are you listening to me? And then we found this location, the Chopin Theater. Look at your neighbor and say, Chopin Theater. Come on, get excited. 
So here it is, Wicker Park, the famous Chopin Theater. People like John Cusack, actors have come there. Off-Broadway plays have been there. This place is awesome. 20 years, they got three meeting places in this theater. One big end, that's like 200. One down below, that's like 125. And then next to that is like 70 people, you know. And so we went and talked to them, like, would you let us have church here? And they're like, for sure. And we're like, yeah, yeah. So then we are going to sign a contract, Lord willing, next week to have church there. And you know how much? they're going to charge the school is going to charge us two thousand dollars a week they're only going to charge us 300 dinero a week half the cost come on y'all saying amen you should say amen so this is exciting now my friends i want you to get this in your spirit come on somebody say spirit i am so excited dude fifteen thousand is already raised so listen to me if you got old grumpy pants right now. I ain't giving nothing. We going with or without you, grumpy pants. Okay? So we already doing this. This is already paid for. Praise God for generous givers. Amen? It's already done. Let's make it happen, they said. We're going to make it happen. We're going to plant churches like they pop bottles. Amen? We're going to make it rain. Look at your neighbor and say, I told you he was crazy. Come on. <laughs> say, I told you. Told you Metro Praise crazy. Okay, so we're going we gonna to make it rain, bro. We're going to make it rain like they're popping bottles and all that crazy stuff. You know, they grab the champagne. Pop the cork and make it rain. We're going to do Holy Ghost rain. Look at your neighbor and say, pop the cork. I got to catch some of y'all up. You're back in the 80s still. They may like, make it rain. Okay, here we go. Now, guess what we got to do? Here's the serious part. All we got to do is clear off some of our debt so we can move forward debt-free because we believe God wants a church to be debt-free. Now, let me explain to you how we got into debt. It's very simple. It happens to everybody. It's, it, you know, it's, it's preventable, but it was a mistake. Here, here it was. When we came here, we were at $4,000 a month. We signed a lease that was at $8,000 a month for the first three months. Then for the next three months, it would go to 9000 then to 10000 then to eleven within the first year. We came here with only 4,000, so we did not know how to even predict the growth that God would have for us here. And when we were negotiating, man, you know, I gave them the cold shoulder. Well, I don't want it then. And I walked away, but they didn't call me back. So, you know, we came back and we negotiated, and they did a lot of things for us. They put in the lights. They gave us the parking. They let us put up all the signs that we wanted. So the bottom line was that was our contract. Now, after being here for about three months, we started seeing we were bringing in about $10,000 a month which is awesome. Can somebody say awesome? Totally double more than we've ever had. But the situation was when it went to 9,000, we were still right around that 8,000 mark, you know, plus bills and, you know, it costs a lot to AC this place, about 2,000 in bills. So when it went to 9,000, now we were 1,000 under every month. And then there goes the savings, you know, now it's going. So for three months, we're 3,000 under. Y'all tracking with me? And then it went up to 10,000. Now each month we were 2,000 behind. And then you put on that a few van repairs and some unexpected expenses, and that's where we're at right now. So this is where I need you as a congregation to get radical with me. Do not let this seed just meet this little need. Let's plant this seed to change the world, and let's us as a congregation raise that other 15. Amen? Because, I mean, dude, we, we don't want to just keep the aquarium. How many know the difference between keeping an aquarium and going fishing? <laughs> 
We're not here just to have an aquarium. I just want to be like, well, I got 200 people. We're all cool now. No, man, I want to reach a world for Jesus. And you might be saying to yourself, what does that have to do with me? And I'm so glad you asked that because for the next month, I'm going to tell you what that has to do with you. And then right now somebody's saying, oh, man, I'm a visitor. I shouldn't have came to this church. No, you came to the right church because unless you want to be broke, busted, and disgusted, this is where you want to be because we're going to teach you how to be blessed and prosperous and change a world for Jesus. And so we're going to take up the offering at the end. Let's get out our Bibles. Let's stand up to our feet when you got your Bible. And let's pray for today's message. Are you ready? Say, I'm ready. Okay, you ain't scared. Come on, y'all ain't scared. He's He's going to talk about money. Come on, you ain't scared. Look at your neighbor and say, I ain't scared. You can take it. You're a strong congregation. You are not scared. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for bringing every person here. Lord, I pray that you bless us with this word. Lord, I'm not here to manipulate or to try to make people do something they don't want to. God, I'm here to share your word. And Lord, I know as a church, you've always led us this way, that when we share your word, your people respond. And I thank you for it. Bless this time together in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You may be seated with your Bibles. I'm going to call up a couple each week to testify about God blessing them by being faithful in tithes and offerings and why that was so important for them. So I'm going to ask that Ricky and Rachel Rivera would come and y'all going to clap. Keep clapping as they come, Rivera's. How many have ever been to their house for a party? Come on, how many know they're great people? Amen. Share with us what makes you guys so cute and cuddly and awesome and matching. It's all the Lord. It's not our fault. It's the Lord's fault. Amen. Uh, I'm glad that Pastor Joe's teaching about this because uh, it's a godly principle. It's in the Bible, and it's teaching us to be prosperous. It's a covenant that we're in with God. He says if we give, he's going to give back to us. Amen. That's a promise. That is a promise. And when we give, let me just tell you, we cannot outgive God. We are not more generous than God. He's more generous. He has everything. And so the, uh, one of the things that I've learned throughout the years is that Everything we have belongs to the Lord. Everything belongs to the Lord. Now, you can say, well, you know, I worked hard for it. I did this. But who gave you the intelligence to uh, do what you do? Who gave you your five senses? Who gave you strength to do what you do? The Lord. The Lord gave you those things. So everything we have belongs to the Lord, and we need to learn to be good stewards of what he's given us. Amen? And so I remember uh, just as a little kid uh, being taught that principle by my mom, you know, they give you the, she gives me the quarter to drop in the offering bucket. When I got a little bit older, give me the dollar, you know, get away from the, the quarter. You want more, right? But um, as uh, at 15, looking forward to getting a job, uh, got my summer job finally. That was the earliest I could work. And so since 15, I could testify that I, I gave my tithe. And it was an honor. It was an honor to give my tithe. And that's, that's what we have to learn, man, that when we know that everything belongs to the Lord, uh, when we give to the Lord, is not an obligation, but it's an honor. It's a privilege to give into the kingdom of God. You're sowing seed, and we see everything that this church is doing. You know, we do things for free. The retreat, if you can't afford it, is for free. The expansion, we're seeing that we're growing as a church, so I know where my money is going. I know, and I, and I, you know, I have faith in that. And so uh, I'm 30 now, so for the past 15 years, I've been faithfully tied to the Lord, and I have the fear of God in me to not tithe. That money belongs to the Lord, and I can testify that he has 
blessed me tremendously. And it's not just finances. That's not the most important blessing right away. But it is a blessing. But he's blessed me every part of my life. Peace in my life. Peace in my marriage. Blessed me with a beautiful wife. We have career, good careers, a house. Man, those are blessings that the Lord gives you in every part of your life, not just financially. And so the Lord has been good, and he's kept his end of the bargain, to, you know, so to speak. And so, uh, you know, thank God for that. He's, you know, he's been a blessing. Amen. I have something to add to that awesome part. Um, every time we give to the Lord, we know that we're not giving to something that is faulty. We know that we're giving to something that lasts and that's eternal. You know, so when, you, when we give money, we gave money to these chairs. We knew that you would be sitting here. We'd, we asked that God would fill these chairs with souls, with people like you. When we gave to missions and we sent our team over there, we knew that we were investing in something that lasted, something that was for the kingdom, you know, not something that fades away. How many times do we eat and, like, it's over in, like, half an hour and, like, that money was just gone. We just ate and it's over. But when we give to the kingdom of God, we know that it will last until eternity and we will see the work that we've done. We will see on that day that how much we gave, our talents, our time, our finances, you know, our faith, how much that impacted eternity. And in that giving, I've, I've found that, man, there is such joy in giving. You know, it might be hard in the beginning. It might be a little bit tough to let that go. But when you allow God to take the heart of greed away from myself, from us, you know, that he will turn that into joy. And it becomes, and you look for opportunities to give. So, man, allow God to, to change that in your life. And I thank God that he's allowed me to experience that joy in giving. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. As you have your Bibles open to Matthew 6, I want you just to hold it there. And if you were in the first service, please don't give this away. But I want to share with you a couple stats right now because, you know, the first thing that comes into our minds is, Pastor, we're in a recession, you know. We, we, we don't have the money, right? I want, to, uh, I want to ask you a question. Has the movie industry suffered in this recession? No. Movie industry has not suffered. As a matter of fact, in some ways, it has hit new records. Avatar hit a new record of the biggest selling movie of all time during our recession. I want to ask you, just shout it out to me. Don't participate if you were in the first service, but shout it out to me. What do you think right now the number one box office hit, biggest movie for 2011 is? Transformers. Transformers is not there. It could possibly beat it, but it's not there right now. Who else? Captain America? No. Not Green Lantern, not Harry Potter. Who from the first service knows it? Shout it out. Hangover 2. Think about this. Hangover 2 is the number one grossing movie in America right now. With over $240 million. I'm going to say that number again. $240 million has been wasted on a movie that advocates drunkenness. Oh, when we say, Pastor, we don't have anything to give to the church. No, don't, don't ask me. My friends, we don't have a money problem. We have a spending problem. Oh, yes, we, we have money. Even those on unemployment have money. We may not have what we used to have, but we do have money. When was the last time you were at Kmart? Were you the only one there, or did you have to wait in line? I know I did. When was the last time you were at a McDonald's drive-thru? Was it nobody there, or were you waiting in line? When was the last time you went to one of the nice restaurants in town? I remember going to a nice restaurant and having to wait 20 minutes downtown with my wife to be seated. Hangover. 
is what we give our money to. How many of you own pets? Raise your hands. Be proud right now. Come on. Pet owners. Amen. I love you, pet owners. You're a strange breed of people to me. I do. I love you. I'll never understand you. I have people that bring their dogs with them everywhere. Some are not even considering uh, not coming on the retreat because they don't have somebody to take care of their dog. I will help take care of your dog. Amen. I will let him loose out in the country while we're there. And then if he comes back after the retreat, you have yourself a dog. If you don't, then God bless your dog. There he went back out into the wild. There he goes. Now, don't guess on this out loud, but just think to yourself, the average pet owner spends what a year? How much do you think? The time of recession? Oh, we don't have money. We don't have money. Oh, but a lot of us have pets. How much do we spend a year? How about this? $2,000 a year on owning just one pet, specifically if it's a dog. If you own that dog for 13 years, if he makes it that long, God bless, you know, God bless him. You will have spent $26,000 on your dog. Let's keep it real. We're not even talking about the little boots, the little outfits that they like to wear, or little petty spas. We're talking about just feeding it, getting its veterinarian shots, and so forth. If you want to hear more stats like this, come to Life Group, because I filled up Life Group with stats of where Americans are spending their money right now. And guess what? I have a stat on where we sp- how much money we spend on coffee a year. You need to come to Life Group and hear about that. Are you with me in Matthew chapter 6? If you're there, say I'm there. Amen. Let's read what Jesus said. uh, Matthew 6, verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin, that's like mice, destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Everybody say treasures in heaven. Thank you. Where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. 1, 2, 3, say verse 21. 1, 2, 3, for where your... There your heart will be. Do you know that God, through Jesus, speaks more about money than he does about heaven? The, the principle of money is all throughout the Bible even more than the principle of heaven. And I'm going to explain that to you in just a moment, but I want you to catch what Jesus just said. He said, where your heart is, is where your treasure is. Where your treasure is, is where your heart is. If you were to die right now and we were to take your heart and bury it where you wanted it the most or where you spent the most time, where would it be? Would it be under Saks, you know, Saks Fifth Avenue? Ladies, would we bury your heart there? Fellas, would we bury your heart underneath your garage where your car is at? Would we bury your your heart, young people, under your Xbox or PS3? Come on, let's keep it real. Would we bury some of your hearts under your job where you work so hard at because you've neglected God and your family just for the money? I want you to understand God does want you blessed. God does want you to work. And I want you to get a history lesson right now. So follow me as I pause in this scripture. Do you know that America is the most financially blessed nation on the planet Earth right now? If you don't believe me, travel to other nations. Some of the nations coming up right now are India and China. I just spent two weeks in India. The living conditions there are nothing compared to what is here. I was saying to my wife, the reason why they suffer so much is because of a false religion. You might say, Pastor, I don't know if I believe that, but I want you to see what the Bible says. In Deuteronomy 28, don't turn there. Write it down. It says, if you turn your back on a living God, God will curse you and curse your land. India suffers even though right now its economy is growing faster than any other nation on the earth. It's competing with China, and and last year it actually beat out China in so many ways. But do you know what they found in India, one of the most poorest nations of the earth? 
They just found it. I Twittered it onto my Facebook off of Fox News. $20 billion worth of golden statues with diamonds in a temple in a small, poor village. Here's a nation that is second poorest to Nepal. Nepal is the poorest as of now. Haiti's close, Sudan, and other places. But you know, in this place, they found $20 billion, with a B, billion dollars worth of statues. It's like they say the modern-day Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom. These people had continually made these gods of, of gold and diamonds, and they put them under this temple, and they asked the people of the temple, Will you give it to the poor community? And they said, no, we're keeping it for the temple. You want to know why America is great? Because we were based upon the Bible. Do you know that the first treasurer of the United States was a pastor? Did you know that? Did you know that to be in Congress and to run for government, you had to be an outstanding member of your church? Now, I'm not saying every American was perfect. We had issues that were dealing with slavery and oppression of the Indians. But if you follow back all the way to John Quincy Adams, there were Americans opposing slavery from the very beginning. You say, how would that be? So I oppose abortion today. How many of you oppose abortion? But there's still an abortion going on in our land. You see, sometimes wrong doesn't. Uh, Right doesn't conquer wrong. So anyways, America was founded upon godly principles. They built churches. They built schools. Do you know where the first schools were at? They were in the churches because what do we do here after Sunday, right? Come on. This place is empty Monday, Tuesday. They had school in the churches. And do you know that the people from the time of Little House on the Prairie, 1700s, 1800s, were taught to work hard, provide for your family, and look out for your community. And that's how we were built. And do you know that when people tried to take that from us, we defended our homeland. Do you know that when Russia and, and Germany began to become communists, and then Germany even turned on Russia and tried to take over all of Europe, who was the outstanding nation that defended the, the European people? It was America. England was going down, my friends. That's why I love 4th of July. One pastor said to his British friends, amen, we won. You see, we were free from the British. And our big thank you back to them was delivering them from World War I and World War II. If it wasn't for America, World War II would have gone totally different. Have you ever thought about that? Nazi Germany could have taken over all of Europe. And his slavery and killing of Jewish people could have been more devastating than we ever imagined. And do you know what happened after World War II? After we did the right thing, we spent money on war. I'm not saying every war is just, but just track with me. We spent money on a just war. We defended innocent people, and we liberated Europe. Do you know what happened in the 50s? Our economy became the greatest and the strongest and the most debt-free it ever was in all of history. But guess what else happened at that same time? Churches and evangelical churches grew like never before. Study evangelical history. In the 1950s, the churches grew like never before. As a matter of fact, you can take me at my word or you can go check this church over here, the Baptist one here, or the Baptist one down there, and you ask them, when did you build this church? Most of the churches in Chicago were built during the 50s. The highest population was going to church. 80% of people were showing up to church on Sunday. Not saying they were perfect, but they were going. And do you know what we did at that point? In the 50s, we put one nation under God into our Pledge of Allegiance, and we put in God we trust on every dollar bill. That was done in the 50s. Are you all tracking with me? But what happened in the 60s? When I say 60s, do you think of God-loving people? Do you think of a generation that just went after God? 
You think of people, free love, sex, drugs, all of these things began to happen. And what then happened to those people that came from the 60s? We call them baby boomers because they came out of the generation of the World War II. What happened to them? They became greedy. They forgot what money was used for, and they began to use money for their own selfish means. And that's where you get into the 80s. In the 80s, depicted by Wall Street, Michael Douglas, greed is good, is what most Americans live by at that time. And then there was the fall, the stock market crash, people falling out of buildings. And you think America at that moment would have learned its lesson. But no, it was just a speed bump in the road of our greed. And then we came into the 90s. And I want you to ask yourself, those of you who are old enough like me to have had a card back then, to have money, to be able to spend, you're an adult. Remember what you had in the 90s, early 2000s. Think about all the things you had that you didn't need. Parents, think about how much you spent on your credit cards. They say today we're $7,000 in debt as average Americans, and most of it's spent on our Christmas holidays. I'm not talking about just like boss hog, you know, like greedy people. I'm talking about good people went well beyond their means in the 90s and, and early 2000s. I've talked to families that are suffering right now, not just necessarily because they lost their job or because of something like that, but because they extended themselves so far that they couldn't pay for it. One family in particular, mobile home in the front yard, brand new boat in the front yard, and countless vacations. And all of those things are gone now. What happened to the American dream that we established? I can show you in the Bible that our capitalistic principles came from the Bible. If you work hard, you get to keep what you have, but you have to give some back. Do you know that taxes weren't regulated out of your paycheck? You used to give taxes out of your own free will, but people kept ripping off the government. Now taxes had to come in. We used to take care of the communities, but then people weren't taking care of the community or themselves, so they developed Social Security, and you can feel however you want about that in Medicare, and I'm not going to get into it, but there was a time that we didn't need any of these government assistance. The people of their own selves took care of themselves. But we became greedy. We wanted more. We became materialistic until right now I can say a number that is so staggering that you don't even really comprehend it. $250 million thrown in the trash to watch a movie about drunkenness. And then people come here, and when the pastor talks about missions, see our video from last week. We just got back from India and Nepal. I was there for two weeks. We have 200-plus churches. We're helping out some of the poorest nations in the world. We raised 20000 to go there. This pastor can come up here and now talk about reaching Wicker Park, and yet some grumpy person inside will say, now this pastor wants my money. What about Hangover one of your, wanting your money? What about X-Men wanting your money? What about Pirates of the Caribbean? What about McDonald's wanting your money? What about all these places? When will we wake up, America, and realize we're wasting it? One last statistic will blow you away. One last statistic will blow you away. We are the most obese nation on the earth. That means we spend excess money on food we do not need to survive or be healthy. So that means we today in this economy are wasting food. Come, come to the life group and, and see how much money we waste on fast food. As a matter of fact, fast food businesses are up right now in this economy. And then you know what we do? We spend billions, the most amount of money spent on our health care, fixing us, and on our workout programs, all because we're not eating right. I'm telling you, greed is a curse, my friends. Greed is cursing this land, and we need to break that spirit of greed. Say amen.
I'm going to teach you today how to break the spirit of greed. You need to learn to put your heart where God's treasure is, up in heaven. How many years are you going to be on this earth? What, 80, 90? How many years are you going to be in heaven? 92? 93 years? Is it just a little bit more? Maybe you'll be up there 110. How many years are we going to be in heaven, friends? Now let me ask you, where are you spending all your money, to invest here or to invest up there? Let's keep reading. The eye is the lamp of the body. If the eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now, why is he talking about your eyes and light and lamp and all of this right here? Why? Because what we see is what we want. And he's talking about if you're always going after what you want. Oh, I got to have it. My name is Jimmy, and I'll take all you can give me. I got to get a new car. I got to get a new thing. And we keep doing that. You know what happens? Your eyes are the lamp to your soul. Your soul becomes dark. And it's called the lust of the eyes. Well, your eyes are never satisfied. Think about this, women. Come on. You said, I just need that pair of shoes. Oh, man. Come on, ladies. Don't pretend you're not in church now. You're going to lie right now. Don't get in trouble. Come on. I just need these pair of shoes. And then you get the pair of shoes. And what happens next time you're in the mall? You need another pair of shoes. Y'all going to act like you're too, too Christian for this. I get it. I'll just talk to myself, okay? Maybe it's your neighbor you need to share this message with. Hello? Come on, fellas. I mean, we used to play Pac-Man, but it's not good enough anymore. We need 3D, HD, 65-inch. Come on, fellas, men, men. We used to ride bikes. We used to, we used to take, you know, a transportation on a horse, but oh, no. That doesn't work anymore. Now we, we need 3,000 horsepower, you know, trucks and all this. And you see this guy per- driving this big old truck. You're like, what do you do for a living? I'm an accountant. What do you need this, H, you know, this, this SUV truck for? We've become with our eyes so, so much. And think about all of us right here. Come on, just keep it real. You're sitting down, you're eating food, and you say, I want this, and I want this. And you know you're not feeling good. How many can relate to that? So many lying in church right now. Can we keep it real as I'm talking? Can we do that? Are you guys going to take off the mask? Okay. Lust of the eyes. Don't let it happen. I'll read verse 24. No one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Why doesn't the Bible say you can't serve both God and the booty? You can't serve both God and drugs, man, smoking weed. You can't serve God and murder. Why is it out of all the sins Jesus could pick, he picks the sin of money? You know why? It's because money is the number one expression of your pride and my pride. And pride is wicked in God's eyes. You see, pride says, no, 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 no. I don't want to sit there. I want to sit here in the restaurant. No, no, I don't want to eat that. I want to eat this. No, I won't wear this. I want to wear, and it's my money, so I want to live here. I won't live there. And I want to drive this car, and no kid of mine will ever grow up without this. I want this. And we have this expression with our money that all it is is me, myself, and I, and we have a challenge now because God is knocking at our heart going, hey, hold on. Are you serving me or are you serving that money? 
Now, let me ask you a question. Is God talking to your neighbor or somebody down the road or that businessman, that banker, or is God talking to all of us? Because I bet you if you're honest in your heart right now, every single one of you will see a battle for greed wrestling on the inside of you. And if you know that you have greed, you can get rid of it. But if you're denying it, you can never change what you don't acknowledge. So I want you to acknowledge it today. I'm going to give you two examples of greed. I don't have time for the scripture, maybe at the end, but here's greed, to love and covet money. There's one type of person that's greedy, and they're just like, I got to have more. And they'll just keep taking and taking and taking. And then there's the other one that is broke, busted, and disgusted, but they love money. They stingy. They don't ever want to share anything they have. They're the type of people that go out to lunch with you and say they forgot their wallet. Can you get me this time? And you're like, dude, you've done did that like five times already. You know what I'm talking about? There were some friends I had to shake down and I had to say, dude, do you have your money before we eat? You're not coming. There's two forms of greed. There is the abundant greed that I just want more and you just have it all and you're stingy. They say right now the most richest nation in the world is Morocco. And they have the biggest homes, the biggest yacht. There is a yacht in Morocco that cost $120 million. And while they were there doing the documentary, another guy was building a yacht just to be bigger than the guy's yacht. That's greed. We recognize that. But what about the person that gets that paycheck? And they're like, oh, man, oh, man, I don't know, man. It's a lot, a lot, of, a lot, a lot of bills, and I, I don't have a lot of money, and, and, and the church will be fine this week, and, and, and you know, I got to eat too, okay? And I'm, I don't need to pay my tithe or give my offering. Is that greed? The Bible calls that greed just as much. But you say, Pastor, you don't understand. No, listen to me. You don't understand. The first reason why you give your tithe, 10%, let me tell you what a tithe is. We'll, we'll mention it more next week. But you know what a tithe is? It's 10% of your total income. You know why you give that tithe? Not because pastor needs it. Not even because the church needs it. You give that tithe to break greed off your life. You get that paycheck and you tell yourself, 10% of this goes to my God. And I will not let this money get a hold of my heart. And I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their descendants begging for bread. It's always the people who don't tithe who make excuses not to tithe. The ones who have learned the principles, you cannot pay them to stop tithing. I'm telling you, man, there are people here like myself. You've learned these principles because you were blessed and fortunate enough to be brought up in a Christian family. And you will never stop tithing because you know God's been good to you. And we want you to learn that now. Today, I want you to ask yourself some questions. Here it is, God and money. Here's how you know whether or not you have greed today. Do you first give to God what is his? Do you give to God first what is his? Number two, answer these and take notes, please, and remember these things during the week. Do you consider all that you have God's? Is it yours or is it God's? Is it my house, my kids, my family, my job, you know, or is it God's? Number three, do you seek first God's kingdom over your kingdom. Let me help a lot of you out right now. God cares more about his kingdom than he does about your kingdom. God cares more about his kingdom than he does about the American economy, my friends. His kingdom is number one thing on his mind right now. If you want to be blessed, get on God's track. Get in God's business. And number four, do you fully obey God's laws of giving? 
Now let's go through these four things. Let's see some stories in the Bible. Number one, do you first give to God what is his? Look at the story. How many remember Cain and Abel in the Bible? How many remember Cain killed Abel? Do you know why Cain killed Abel? It wasn't because they were smoking crack, cracking, pimping hoes and all this. You know why he killed them? Because of an offering. Hey, that's why some of y'all mad right now. Y'all mad because you don't know how to give an offering. That's why you get offended by a pastor. See that anger inside of some of you? That when, oh, that pastor, he's talking about my money. Oh, man. God loves me just the way I am. You know what? If you could right now, you might just slap me, wouldn't you? And if nobody was looking, you might kick me. Look at this Bible, guys. This is what happened. Number, verse number one. And you got to read this soft like Barry Manilow. Adam made love to his wife Eve. That's in your Bible. I just had to read that. Adam made love to his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Look at your name and say, a man. Amen. Later she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. Some of the fruits. And then uh, uh, Abel also brought offering fat portions from some of the firstborn. Everybody say firstborn. Come on, firstborn of his flocks. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. But on Cain, his offering offering he did not look with favor Cain was very angry and his face was downcast now I want you to do a test right now look at your neighbor's face if they ain't smiling you know there's some problem about them giving if they looking like this they're upset right now because we're talking about tithe and offering they're upset they're downcast now look what Cain did right here you know what Cain did Cain was a farmer, and he said to himself, man, come on, God does not need my fajoles and, and my, uh, what is the corn? I always forget the corn. Elotes. You know, he is saying, God, man, God doesn't need my corn, so I'm just going to bring what I don't want. Anybody ever seen a bruised up tomato in the bottom of your vegetable thing in your refrigerator? He's like, I'm going to give that to God. Come on, let's keep it real. The canned corn that you don't want from 1984 that your mom gave you when you first moved into your first apartment is still right there. You know, he's like, I won't give that to God. And you know what? He's thinking like a lot of Christians do. God should just be happy because I'm giving him something. You know, I don't have to give him anything. He should be happy. And really, God doesn't eat corn and God doesn't eat a tomato. So I'll just give him the leftover. And then the Bible says that Abel comes and he brings his firstborn. He brings the best of his flock, and he gives it to God. And then here's the lesson right here. God says to Cain, I don't like your offering. I don't like it at all. Now, let me tell you something. We'll receive your offering, however you bring it. But I I want you to understand something. God may not be liking your offering. Because if you're not giving God first what is his, and you're just saying, well, you know, I paid Comcast, and I, I paid the car note, and I paid the insurance note, and really, you know, that church don't need a whole lot, and so here's my $5. God says, no, 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 I'm not happy with that. Do you know that God looks at how you place him on your priority list? He cares about it so much that he gives us a passage in the Bible that teaches us that he looked down upon that offering, and that man got upset. And that anger led him to kill his brother. 
And you can kill the messenger, but you can't kill the message. I'm here today to tell you, my friends, you need to give God first what it says. Next week, we're going to talk all about the tithe. But if you want to be blessed like Abel, give God what is his. Don't put your own thinking over what God has told you to do. Trust God in what he's told you to do. And he will bless you and prosper you. He's done it for a long time. He's pretty good at it. Amen? It's not like God's all of a sudden up in heaven going, angels, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? They've tithed and now they don't have any money. Oh my gosh, what are we going to do? When God sees us in our struggles, God says, hey, I've got an answer. I'm going to provide for you. I remember one time when I was first learning how to do this, I was a young man and I was working roofing and I wasn't the pastor and some of the ties didn't go to the church I pastored. And, and I remember thinking to myself, man, this is, this is hard. I mean, this is hard-earned money here. I had to work hard for this. And God began to say, give it. And I remember giving the tithe and I was like, I'm so glad that I did that. I'm so glad. And God said, no, I, I want you to give more. And I'm like, Satan... I rebuke you in Jesus' name. Sometimes you know what I'm talking about. God tells you to give more, and you think that's Satan talking to you. Let me tell you something. Satan is not going to tell you to give money to the church. And then some people come up to me, and they're like, Pastor, you know, I'm thinking about giving $1,000 to the church, but I don't know if it's just me or if it's really God. Let me tell you something. Just me doesn't think about doing that. That is God talking to you. And God said, I want you to give more. And I was like, how much more? And God's like, I want you to give it all. And I lived at home with my parents, and I know they would provide for me, but, but it was just a test of my faith. There was the first few paychecks that I got that God just said, give it all to him. And you know what I did with that money? I went and bought groceries and gave it to the needy. Now, I know I might sound like a Mother Teresa to you, but I was a high school dropout on drugs, and God was teaching me at a very early age, this money does not belong to you. It belongs to me. I want you to look at the next one. Do you consider all that you have God's? Is everything you own God's? This is going to help you be successful in life. Now a man named Ananias, Acts 5.1, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept some of the money you received of the land? Does everybody get this? They owned land. These guys weren't poor. See, sometimes people think that, oh, man, the pastor just wants us all poor and so he can have all the money. Listen, that is the devil. That is not us. In this church, we have blessed, prosperous people. And I believe in blessed, God blessing and prospering you. Do you know that Hobby Lobby is a Christian business? Makes $3.8 billion a year. And guess what? They don't work on Sundays and they tithe $380 million. I thank God for blessed people in the church. Chick-fil-A is a Christian business. And so you're like, I would tithe if I had three points. No, you wouldn't. You can't tithe off $3. You got to learn how to tithe off what you have to keep learning to give when you're generous. These lottery winners to become more in debt after the lottery because greed begets greed. But you want to be a giver? Learn to give now off the little that you have. Oh, I'm so excited about God blessing people. Ananias and Sapphira, they had land. They sold it. They said, I'm going to give some to God, some. Somebody say some. And they held back a little bit for themselves. Oh, that makes so much sense, doesn't it? God, get your hands off my money. I mean, that's really what we're saying. God, come on. Don't, don't touch my tithe. It's my tithe. I'm going to use it for what I want. 
Oh, no, God, I told you no. We treat God like that, don't we? And so they had, they had this money because they sold a house. That means they had to have another house because they were living in a house and they still had a house to sell. So they were blessed. And here they had this money that they made. Maybe it was that home at the beach that they were going to give to the Lord. They, they were in a service like this. And, and, and Pastor Peter was saying, hey, we're going to reach Judea. And all we need is $175,000. And they said, hey, we've got a beach home by Damascus. Let's sell it. And maybe they thought they were going to get... So they said to themselves, you know what? We'll sell the house. We'll keep some of the money and give the pastor $175 because it's not God's money. It's my money, and God should be happy with whatever we give him. But then let's say the house didn't sell for $225. It sold for $175, and now they're kind of disappointed because they were already planning their vacations and the manis and the petties and the hairdos. And so they said, you know what? We're just going to take $25,000 off. We'll just give 150000 And you know what, Peter? You should just be happy because I'm Sister Big Bucks, and this is Brother Big Britches, and we come to your church, and we give so much money. I've had people come to this church, and they go, Pastor, how, how do I give $1,000 in the offering? Just like everybody else, you come up and drop it in. No handshake. Drop it in the offering. But you see, people who have lots of money, they want to be treated special sometimes. So you see, in eyes and Sapphire, they probably thought they were special because they're going to give a lot of money, the cost of a house to the church. Oh, but they lied. Look what happened. Verse 4, didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but you have lied to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died, and great fear seized all who heard what happened. Then the young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried out and buried him. So imagine we're like doing the offering. Come on. Praise the Lord. You're coming up. Woo! Got paid. And you're going to drop it in the offering. And imagine, and you just fall out. And then I look at Jonathan and Joselito bury their bodies. Today's a funeral. That's what happened in the early church. The fear of God was so serious in the early church that they knew what was God's. I want to ask you a question. Do you think the same way? Who are you liking this right here? Are you like Anais and Sapphira? Are you saying, God, get away. This is, well, this is not yours. This is mine. I'm in charge of this. This don't belong to you. This is mine. Or are you like the others in the Bible that said, God, it all belongs to you? Read the previous chapter. Barnabas, the Bible said, had many homes. And when he sold those homes, he gave it to the church. Where is your heart? Where are you storing your treasures? You see, we have to break the heart of greed. The next thing is, do you seek God's kingdom over your own kingdom? Look what Jesus said. Jesus said, so don't worry saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For pagans run after these things. Because what happens when the pastor starts talking about tithing offerings? Then he gets scared. I ain't going to have nothing to eat, pastor. If I give, what am I going to wear? What am I going to drink? I mean, come on, if I give it to the honor, I'm going to have nothing. I'm going to come to church naked and I'm going to be starving. You know that's what some of you are thinking right now in your heart. If I don't give to the church, I'm going to starve. I'll have no clothes to wear. Come on. We make these excuses in our heart. And we think that God is just up there and he's just, oh, I understand. Oh, yes, I get it. You're suffering so much. Shut up, you people of India and China. Stop your complaining. I've got to listen to so-and-so in America right now. They're having it so hard. 
God said, don't you worry about what you're going to eat. Don't you worry about what you're going to drink. Put me first. Keep reading the scripture. He says, don't run after these things. Pagans run after these things. And your father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God in his righteousness. Let's read it on the count of three. One, two, three. But seek first and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well therefore do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will have enough worry of itself each day has enough trouble of its own i am not at all giving you permission to neglect your family to not go out and work to get an education there's nobody in our church. Matter of fact, let me just help you out. You can't graduate from our 201 leadership unless you have a license, a job, and are showing that you're taking care of your family. We've had actually people leave this church because they were bums, lived off their wife's work, and didn't want to get out there and get themselves a job, and we kept them in the 201 for two years. And then eventually they quit and said, oh, I just want to live the way I want to. So we don't play games here. We believe men and women work and provide for their families. And we believe our country was built upon that. And I can prove that. It wasn't built upon the greed of Lady Gaga and Little Wayne and Hangover 2. Our country was built upon people that believed in what I'm teaching right now. That's why America, by the way, see people, people always hear this Islam in, in the world. Do you know Islam, Saudi Arabia, Dubai, all these rich nations? Do you know when those other nations like Indonesia suffer, they don't even give to their own people? It is the Christians who gave to Indonesia and the people of the tsunami because it's God who says give. It's God who said give and it will be given back unto you. And still to this day, it's us that goes out there and gives because Christian people develop the heart of giving. Have you ever wondered why the West is the ones that give? Why it's not the other countries? It's because of that principle. And here he said, don't you worry about tomorrow. Let me ask you a question because it keeps on going. If you worry, can you right now make yourself grow an inch? Can you make yourself just change the color of your hair by worrying? You see, we have replaced trust in God with worry. And what that worry turns out to, let me just help you out here, is it turns out to debt. Because what we do is we spend beyond our means because we're worrying that we're just not going to have enough for this Christmas for our kids. And we're worrying that this car is not going to be good enough. And we go so far beyond our means that that worry turns into debt. And the Bible says don't do that. Be wise. Let's keep going. Number four, do you fully obey God's laws of giving? This is what God said in the Old Testament. Next week, we're going to talk all about it. And whoever shows up next week, we're going to know you the real Christians. Amen? So this is your chance right now. If you want to find another church, we'll give you a brochure out the back. Amen? That lets you be whoever you want to be. But if you come back next week, I know you're radical. Amen? I know you love God more than money. That's all I got to say. Amen? Now, right here, this is what the Old Testament says. Will a mere mortal rob God? I wish I had half a church up this afternoon. Would you all look at this right now? Will a mere mortal rob God? What does that next phrase say? I know it's small, but what does it say? Yet you rob me. Oh, Jesus, help us. We are robbing God. Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse. Your whole nation because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will now throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. Let me ask you a very simple question. Here's the definition of a tithe, and we're going to close out. 
A tithe is giving God what is his first. 10% belongs to the Lord. Before they take out their taxes, you make a gross. That 10% belongs to the Lord. That's what the Bible said. It was here before I ever got here. Is everybody tracking with me? You give that to the Lord every time you get some. People are like, well, I got paid twice this week. Do I still? Yes, whenever you get something into your hands as a reward for your labor, that's what we call pay, check, money, currency, a reward for your labor, you give 10% of that to the Lord. That's what the Bible says. What is an offering? An offering is when you've said, Lord, man, I've given you 10%. I have this 90% left. All of it is yours. Is there anything else you want me to do? That's an offering, and that's how God asked us to live. Now, I don't know what your offerings are, and I can't judge you. Some of you today, you, you may give $2 in the offering, and, man, God is going to have a party in heaven and say, that's my boy. He got it. She got it. That's awesome. Others of you might give 2000 in the offering, and God's still saying, no, they don't get it yet because I've been asking them to give more. You see, it's not a matter of amount comparative to us. Do you understand? The tithe remains the same. It's 10%. The offering is what God says. Let me give you an example of this. I was sleeping one night, and I was having a dream that I received $20,000. This is a true story. That I received $20,000, and in the dream, I went to my friend who has our old church building, and I gave him two months of rent. I wake up to my wife holding a FedEx envelope to me. I open it up. It's like $22,000. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. You would have said it a lot louder than that if it came to your house. Can we try that again? Thank you, Jesus. That was at the beginning when we were starting this church and we needed those shekels. And then you know what I did, man? I said, God, you're so awesome. I'm going to go talk to my friend. And so I go talk to my friend. And I'm like, hey, man, how are things going? And he's like, I'm about ready to launch the church. I'm, I'm struggling right now. I need some help. I said, that's awesome. God told me to give you $2,000 one month's rent. Oh, he was so happy. But did God tell me to do that? No, God told me to give two months rent. You see, greed was even in my heart. See, I can keep it real. Can you? Can y'all keep it real? I'm going to keep it real. So I was like, God, you know, I mean, maybe two meant 2,000. You know, I don't have to, you know, I'll give the rest to our mission. So I was thinking, I'm going to give the rest to our mission. And I knew we were like, we spent almost $50,000 doing the carpet and all of the lights and all these things. And, and I was like, you know, we'll give 2,000 to the missions. And God began to grieve my heart because you see an offering between you and God. And I began to feel so sick to my stomach, but I just pushed it down. And then a few weeks later, I was out with my friend again. And I'm like, man, how are you doing? He's like, man, I'm doing good. We're hanging in there. He's like, I just need one more month, and I'm going to make it, and this church is going to take off. And I did what they said not to do in First John. I said, God bless you, brother. I'm going to pray for you. And I went about my way. Oh, God grieved me so much. I went out with my wife. I looked so sickly. My face was pale. I was sick. I couldn't smile at my booster boo. She's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, I'm disobeying God. I need to give this. She says, you better give it now. I text my brother. He was on his knees. They were praying for a breakthrough. And it came at that moment. He said, Pastor, you have no idea how much we needed that. I talked to him later, and he said, why did you torture me if that's what God told you? Why? Why? Testing your faith, brother. And I feel like that so many times in this church, that you 
that God is speaking to you, that God is speaking to you to give offering, and then you keep holding on to it. And then we as our church are on our knees and we're saying, God, what, where, where, is this, where is this money that we need? And you're just eating all your money. You're spending it on movies. And we're like, God, where is it? You, 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 I know you hear us. And then God says, you've got to talk to them. So, my friends, you've got to be obedient to what the Lord tells you. And I'm telling you right now, God is, you know, the devil's not telling you to give. God is telling you to give. Would you stand to your feet as the band comes? If you love the Lord, can you say Amen. Praise God. I want to help you here in closing. Four things to do. Give God what is His first. First, give to Him what is His. Number two, consider all that you have, God's. Number three, seek first God's kingdom over your kingdom. Number four, fully obeys God's law of giving. As the band is coming, I want to tell you a short story, and then we're going to receive tithes and offerings. At, at this series, we're going to do it at the end every week, just believing God that He speaks to you. Someone already stepped up and gave $15,000 personally to start a new campus. Can we not now as a congregation raise 15000 to clear our own debt? Think about that. Because somebody right now is going, praise God, Pastor. You're teaching them to give because I'm giving. We need some help. And others of you are going, let him give the other fifteen. then if he's Mr. Big Bucks or Mr. Big Bucks. Let them, let them give the other 15. And you'll wonder why your life sucks. Come on, we'll keep it real. You're going to wonder why your life sucks. Because you don't know how to give. And when you get to heaven, God's going to say, okay, you made it. So glad you believed in me. Thank you. Okay, here's your plot of ground. And God's going to give you a little bus stop in heaven. <laughs> And you're going to say, is this it, Lord? Yep, there it is. And it's going to have the little bars, you know, over the bench so you can't sleep on it. Just sleep all sitting up. And all of a sudden, somebody in the church is going to say, hey, man, come on over. I got a mansion. How'd you get the mansion? I gave. I stored up treasures. Now, you might say, Pastor, you're just messing with us. Did not Jesus tell us there were mansions prepared in heaven? Did not Jesus tell us that we determine how much of the treasure we get in heaven? I've done this without selling you holy water and a magic cloth today, haven't I? I mean, I'm not a kook and a phony. I'm just keeping it real. Let me tell you a story about this old farmer here. There was a church one time in the country. Just a few people were going there. It's an old church, old country church. And... Their, their pastor died, and they didn't have a pastor anymore. So they got together, and they said, man, we need an on-fire pastor. So they got a young pastor to come, you know, somebody like myself, young and on fire. And this young pastor came, and he spoke to these, these you know, 10, 15, you know, farmers. And he said, guys, we need to get out there, and we need to touch lives. We need to, we need to change the world. We can do it from this little farm church. We can change the whole world. And they said, oh, man, you don't know what you're talking about. He said, yeah, we can do it. And finally they said, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll let you do it. What do you need? And he said, well, I have a friend from Bible college. She does tent crusades. You know, this is when tent crusades were big back then. They would set it up in fields, you know, Latinos, campanas. They still do it in Latin America a lot. Uh, you know, he said, I'm going to get my friend. He's going to set up a tent. And then he'll bring the musicians and the music, and we'll have a great service. And we'll give flyers, and everybody, they'll come. And so these farmers all got together and said, okay, preacher, do it. And the preacher came, big tent, 
had the musicians. His friend was preaching. Man, he was preaching Jesus every night. But nobody really showed up. Nobody came to the altar calls. Man, this preacher was giving it all he got. And this young pastor, man, was just so disappointed. And they were doing it for seven days straight, seven days tent revival. And at the end of the the seventh day, the preacher, man, he was just crying. He was just like, man, you need Jesus, people. You need Jesus. Is there anybody that needs Jesus? Just accept him. He loves you. And one little boy just came forward and said, I need Jesus. I want Jesus. That young boy got saved. They prayed with him. And at the end, these farmers and these deacons got together. And they were mad. They started getting mad at the preacher. They said, preacher, you told us if we, if we spent this money and had this tent and if we brought these singers in, you know, people would get saved. And, you know, they probably spent like $1,000 in their income, which would be like 20000 in ours. They're like, we've spent all this money. And just one little boy got saved. What a waste. And then a farmer just like this took off his hat set it down and out of his overhauls just pulled out the money that they were talking about all of it out of his overhauls he set it on the table and he said that young son that young boy was my son and it was worth it for me and he walked out you see it was worth it for him he said I'll pay whatever price because it's worth it for me I don't know when's the last time you've been around Wicker Park, but I don't think Jesus and church is what's on their mind right now. Is it worth it for you? We had to stand in this place and make it worth it for you. Do you remember the first time some of you came to this church? Did you see the cafe was free? Did you meet people that loved you, welcome to, your, to their home? Did you meet us at Boricua Fest, giving arroz con candules to the community? Have you come to the youth group? Where they do things for free for the teenagers all the time, barbecues. Just come, just come. Did you come to our summer retreat where we pitch in because we got to do the hotel? But if you don't have it, were you there at the winter retreat when like 30 people, you were one of those 30 that didn't have it? And we just said, everybody come and we bum rushed that place and it was so much fun. Have you seen a church reach out to you? My question is to you now. Do you want to do it again? Two things today, tithes and offerings. Guys, if you're not giving your tithes, start today. If you can go back into your past, do it. Go back into your past and say, God, I didn't tithe off this income tax, but I'm going to tithe now. God, I didn't tithe off that race, but I'll do it now. God, I didn't tithe off that settlement. Go back and do it and give it to God. And then the second thing is, can we as a church come together and believe God for something great? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you today. Oh, God, you're so good. I fear your name, oh God. In front of these people, as I'm praying right now, God, I would never steal, never lie, or never bamboozle them. God, this is your word. And I just ask you to let it settle in their heart right now. With everybody's head bowed and eyes closed, I'm just going to let you talk to the Lord for a few moments just before we dismiss. Are you a tither? If not, be real with the Lord. Ask him to forgive you. Man, just sing lightly in the background as they just spend. Don't leave yet. Give me just a few moments, saints, for you to spend with God here today. Just keep it real. It's not between you and me. It's between you and God. Tithing. How important has that been?
And how about offering? Has God spoken to you about something? Maybe you were like me, and he spoke to you already, and you're just like, no, I don't want to do that. Or for those of you that are willing, ask the Lord to use you. Don't look at your bank account to see what you can give. Ask God to tell you what he wants to give through you. For some of you, God will actually increase your, your, your finances so you can increase in your giving. I remember a couple years ago, we were raising some funds for the stage of our old building. And, and a brother said, God, what do you want me to give? And, and it was like $250, you know, because he testified. And, and he said, man, I don't have $250. But the Lord said, I want you to give it, though. And he said, okay, Lord, I'll give it. You just got to get it to me. And he started to pray, you know, God bless me. His company was having a contest. Whoever could win the most sales would get a $250 bonus. And he said, God, I want that bonus for this. And he sought God's kingdom first. He got the sales, blessed him, and he got the promotion, the bonus, and he gave it to the Lord. Testified in this church. Just a few more moments. God, we just love you. We bless you today. We want to be a church that doesn't have greed. If you have greed in your heart, just wherever you are right now, just break it. Just say, Lord, I, I don't want to get that curse away from me. Forgive me. I had to ask the Lord to forgive me when I was keeping that, that offering. I know what it's like to hold back sometimes. Hallelujah. Lord, I thank you. Thank you. Amen. Before we receive our offering, we're just going to encourage you guys to come out for our retreat we're having this week. Uh, we're going to meet at the church at 5 in the morning. Is anybody excited for that? Come on. We're going to meet at 6 in the morning, but I'm just going to tell you 5, okay? 4.30. We're going to meet it at 4.30, and we're going to go to Devil's Lake, Wisconsin. It's in Baraboo, three hours away. We're going to spend the whole day there, the most scenic, beautiful place you can ever be. I call it the Grand Canyon of the Midwest. It's going to bless you. Spend the night in a hotel. Wake up the next morning. Do baptisms. Anybody needs to be baptized, come and get some. And then we're going to leave out Saturday afternoon. It's 50 dinero. We have a price for the teenagers. Sign up in the back. Just come. That's all I want you to do. Just come. Amen. And here's the video. Let me play this for you real quick so you all can get out your glow sticks. Here's the video with some glow sticks right here. Amen. Come on. Can you hit it for me, brother? It's acting up a little bit. There we go. There it is. Glow sticks coming. Click it. There it is. This is the way to go out of church. Come on. It's a party. There it is. How many are ready for the summer retreat? Amen. Amen. We're going to close out with prayer for tithes and offerings today. You can always give online at metropraise.org. Let's just pray. Father, we thank you for a great church. Thank you for a great message. Lord, we just pray we'll do what we're supposed to do, God. In Jesus' name. And everybody said.
Amen. Let's say what Paul said on the count of three. One, two, three. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. Will you come rejoicing as you give? Amen. God bless you. If you need prayer, come up for anything today. We'll be up here. Altar workers, come on. Band, sing an exciting song. Tell us something about Jesus. Amen.